to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to the jobs they really love. In addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available. You can find Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon. My guest today is Carol Stizza. Correct, Stizza? Yep. Yep, I'm all, I'm horrible with names, so I always got to double check on that. But uh, thank you for, you know, humoring me. <laughs> so anyways, for those of you turning in the first time, our show's purpose is to really explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X millennials and those to come after seek positions of leadership that allow them to be themselves. So every show, we're going to explore a topic related to business or job searching. And of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaches. We focus on practical tools for your job search, including resumes, LinkedIn profiles, interview coaching, and ongoing classes. So check out our ridiculously long website, Personal touchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or, you know, you can just Google it. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Good, good. So let's just dive right into things. I know that you're an executive coach and a speaker and an author. And a lot of times you work with people um, really on like how to have better conversations at work. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Happy to. So I found myself um, privileged to working with a lot of executives, some having startups that were scaling, some in large organizations. And I also got to sit down and do some team coaching. And what I found missing most of the time was a better understanding of how to have conversations that created um, psychological safety and trust and built that trust among the team members and their leadership. So I got to jump into the research of how to really go about being a better resource and coach for that. And I landed on enough information that I, too, jumped and put out a book. Thank you, COVID. Um, had the time to put out a book this year <laughs> on asking, called the Ask Framework, about how to initiate richer conversations that elevate your influence, leadership, and performance based on the ability to understand how to make a great ask. Okay. So what exactly does that mean? So we've done a lot of touting of curiosity is the best way to live your life. Be curious, be open-minded. And while we talk about that, that's kind of like fulfillment. When it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, people like, I don't know how to do that. I I don't, or I'm scared to ask a question where I might get an answer I don't want, or I'll ask a question and I'll get good and bad information. How do I even control the flood of information that might come back at me? So What's interesting is that we just haven't been practiced, conditioned, or even trained in how to ask better questions. All right. And so how would that help somebody out in a professional capacity? One of the most interesting challenges I think everybody has in either stepping into a new role or wanting to step into better professional networking is how do I 
talk about the hard stuff or how do I learn about stuff that's really pivotal to my success, but I just don't know how to ask without looking needy or looking like I need validation. They're really wanting to know how to have better conversations just to learn and grow and feel more comfortable in, in how to be successful at work. So that's where I found it to be more the most welcome in the beginning, especially in a new job when you're trying to understand what success looks like. And you can actually ask people, I'd like to talk about my first month here, or I'd like to talk about working with you. What does success look like when working with someone in my position? Can you give me an example of what that looks like or how you would experience that? So I kind of know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's the type of initiation of conversation that seems very foreign to people, especially when they're looking and stepping into new roles. Yeah. As a career coach, I can see that too. Cause you go in, you think you need to be like the wunderkind and have all the answers and asking for help or asking even about what are the standard procedures around here. You don't want to show weakness. Is that kind of like what you're thinking too? Yes. And, and that's a, a, a very outdated myth, right? That asking questions shows some form of weakness or ignorance or inability to learn on your own. We have glorified the DIY framework to a point where we almost think everything is DIY. But I I think people need to remember that if the best leaders are really good listeners, they had to have asked a question Mm -hmm. to listen to something. And all we do is talk about listening and we don't talk about how they initiated the opportunity to listen. Excellent. I had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you were saying is like, there's really four parts of initiating a conversation, correct? Yeah. There's, there's what I have found that there was four really um, digestible parts of a good conversation. So I'll back up and kind of um, frame it in like, you want to go get information about what's going right. Like, what am I, am I okay? Am I doing okay at work? you're new, you might be in your first 90 days. If you start off without stating context, you prevent the other person from knowing exactly where you need the conversation to be. So context was the first thing, stating the context. Hey, I'd like to take a moment and talk about the report I just turned in. I'd like to take a moment and just talk about the meeting that you and I were presenting yesterday. Anything to do with your job at the moment. So stating that context literally helps the other person have the grace and the moment to stop and go, oh, okay, yeah, I can talk to you about that. And they're there, they're they're set up for success. The second part was understanding that anyone's brain can only handle one thing at a time. So why not be specific and ask for the one thing? Meaning, what was the most helpful thing that you found in working together yesterday? What was the most helpful thing that I was able to provide you with in that presentation? What was the most meaningful the most productive, whatever it is, bring it to the most important, the most significant, the most meaningful, or the most challenging. What was the most challenging thing about working with someone as new as me? Anything along those lines, but let it be the most, because we have a bad habit of saying, tell me what you think. Oh, I've done that. Right? (laughs) um, And if you do that, you have no idea where you're going to get. Well, you know, you don't look good in purple, right? What? You have no, you're not controlling what the information is that you need to get. So control it by asking for specifics and give the other person the grace to go. Yeah. uh, You know, um, 
I know they'll know either they'll either know exactly what it is that you want or that they can provide, or they'll, they'll go, you know, it's a good question. Let me think of it. I'll get back with you. The third part was not stopping at the answer there and asking for an example of how they experienced whatever it is that you're asking for. So if you were to ask about something at work, the meeting yesterday, the presentation, what was the most meaningful, the most challenging, whatever it is you ask, the next thing to do is say, can you give me an example of, of how you experienced that, mm-hmm. of how you recognize what you're looking for the next time, anything that gives you this moment of looking from their perspective and you will learn what they look for, what they see. It allows you to get them to know them in a way that you couldn't, they couldn't have offered you any other way. And the last part is if you want the conversation to continue, you can ask what and how questions. We've, we all want to know why, why do you look at things that way? Why do you think that? Why? But we also have started to learn that why is a, a type of question that causes the brain to stop and go backwards. Mm-hmm. Like you're defending mm-hmm. what you do and what you think. And you actually can learn people's why faster by asking what and how questions. What would that look like the next time we work together? How does that look like tomorrow when we work together? What does success look like the next time if we change that? How would you want that to be better, different, less than, whatever it is? But the what and how questions, they make you think differently, but it keeps the conversation also moving forward. And people will walk away going, that was just the best conversation. It was productive. It was short. It was sweet. We got to it and we moved on. And you actually build trust in starting those types of conversations because the other person also looks good because you set them up for successful exchange information. Didn't leave them hanging. Didn't leave them guessing if that's what you needed. It's, it's a really nice, tight framework to help people communicate better. Yeah, that sounds great. And immediately my mind goes to this can be very beneficial for teams that are all working by remote. Mm-hmm. Correct. Where you've got that limited time and you've got that limited exposure. I mean, sure you can see each other on zoom, but it's not, do you feel that there's real communication barriers there? There are. I, I did a LinkedIn post recently quoting a, a gentleman that had written an article in the uh, HR magazine, basically purporting that yes, remote work is here to stay, but in person um, is an exchange of energy. And so the statement was ideas need to flirt and have sex. And the only way that really works in a psychological safe zone is in two ways, either in person or if everybody turns their camera off. Mm. (laughs) So if everybody turns their camera off, it actually engages them more because they can actually move around freely, don't have to worry about what they look like. They're not looking at somebody else's face and getting distracted. They're really in it or in person. And I think that that has a lot of merit. And when you can either be in person or everybody's camera is off, it allows you to hear with different, different senses, energy exchanges in person. But hearing is different when your cameras are off and your this idea takes shape in your own environment hmm. virtually. And you can step into asking those questions with more ease and with more intent of focus than you could if you're just laughing at what everybody's you know got in their background. Right. Right. Or not 
on in their background. <laughs> right. Um, but to, to the title of your podcast, which is brilliant when it comes to tattoos, the thing I love to explore the most is the story behind people's tattoos, ah. especially when you're at work mm-hmm. and you can't just be rude. Say, hey, tell me about that. You kind of have to say, hey, I would really like to ask you a curious question about the meaning behind your tattoos. Set up the conversation for success. Don't make them feel defensive. Um, I love tattoos. I think they tell a story. They they mark markers of time. They are cornerstones of somebody's personality in that point of their life. And you get to really learn about them and offer a conversation without judgment. But it has to be without judgment. That's, I think, the key. The intent has to be stated in the context. I'd like to ask you a question about the meaning behind your tattoo. What was the what was the the most exciting thing about getting that tattoo for you? Mm-hmm. And can you share with me the positive experiences you've had with that tattoo since? You know, what's the next tattoo for you? How did it feel? Was it painful? What would you suggest I get? You know, anything like that can go down a path that provides an exchange of personal information without judgment and without making a negative impression on, you know, how they are at work. Right. So I want to I want to back up for a moment because you were saying that uh, best ways to communicate is either in person or the cameras off on Zoom. And one of the things that we've been debating, and so like I'm a member of Mile High Sherm, that's a Society for Human Resources <laughs> Management for people who out there who don't know. Uh, but one of the conversations that goes around a lot right now is these managers who are insisting that people have to come back to work in the office, <laughs> their rationale being, if you're not here, you're not participating in the relationships And therefore, I don't want to promote you because I don't know who you are. Uh, What's your take on that? So there's there's three perspectives I kind of can see happening. So the the whole purpose of putting your cameras out was for um, ideas, brainstorming. But managers who managers who want people back in seats have one of three objectives and maybe all three they miss personally the culture that's built with day-to-day interactions physically with their employees mm-hmm. you know they they personally miss it want it want it back feel it's important to the culture it's normally a manager who's an extrovert so it's saying more about the manager than anybody else i i can understand that i can understand my poor uh, assistant jasmine when we have our in-person day on Fridays about once a month, and I, I just talk their ear off because I have human in front of me. So I am going to speak yes. to human. Right. <laughs> we don't um, get that, much done. And that's, and that's a very human, you know, culture. If, if their culture is really based on having those between meeting exchanges, between project exchanges, then I wouldn't think immediately negative of the manager, but I'd really want to question, is this part of the culture you're really needing to build? Or number two, are you the type of person who needs to micromanage because you are responsible for their productivity and you haven't figured out a way to measure productivity and you haven't taken the time to measure what productivity you did get in COVID because the research is so far 
to the more productivity happened in COVID in many organizations than they ever thought possible because people could live their life. Now, that's for the people who weren't having to homeschool on the same time. But even for the organizations who had a mix of homeschooling parents and people that had children either self-sufficient or out of the house, they still had higher productivity much of the time. Mm-hmm. If it were more in the information exchange um, industries, in-person industries, production lines, manufacturing, retail, that's a different beast altogether. They yeah. suffered. Uh, truly, they're still suffering. And that's probably not what we're talking about at the moment, if we're talking about SHRM and, and management. But the the third aspect of a, of a manager really looking and voicing that uh, need to be visual, to be promotable, really is lacking, I think, true leadership skills in communicating and building their team. Um, Because they're marginalizing those who are very productive as introverts. They're marginalizing those who are equally talented but have additional demands of family time. And they're compromising the the employee's desire to remain in their management if the threat of visual is part of the promotability. And so we've got three different aspects. One, culture building. Two, I haven't taken the time to measure productivity, so just come back. I don't trust you to do it on your own, and maybe I miss you, right? And and three is um, marginalizing someone's true productivity um, compared to the visual, the need to see them in seat. Mm-hmm. And that, and and the other these these next these last two were where managers get a bad rap. I mean, managers are what carry the culture. Um, if you've got good leadership, it trickles down. Those managers are taught. Managers are the mainstay of culture in an organization. Yeah, and managers need that. to be able to have better conversations too. But they feel as if. They look weak if they ask questions. They just haven't figured out that asking questions opens up opportunities for them to build better teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do know one of the segments that struggled the most in uh, now, of course, we're talking about, you know, professional kind of corporate world would be like the newest, the entry level employees who were hired during that, you know, COVID times when everybody was remote. And I think, and this is my opinion, that they were struggling because they didn't have the mentorship available to them. And there was a lot of fear in asking for help. And especially because they didn't know what kind of questions to ask. Would you say that's the case too? Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, And I think there's another factor there that we keep forgetting. Um, Take, for example, sitting in a coffee shop. It's a new coffee shop. I'm new to the area. I'm even new to Denver. So this is a a real life (laughs) scenario. I may be new to a coffee shop, but there's a chance I can sit down and watch the people at work in that coffee shop, watch the people who come in, watch the interactions and start to gain a sense of culture without even talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. That's a big factor missing in remote work. This is where having um, using Slack and Slack channels or using a social medium or using a weekly um, 15.5 as a software program where people can say, 
here's who helped me the most. They're having to grasp at little straws to understand the culture. And without the culture aspect, you're even more undermined in where to be brave to ask questions. True. You're either going to be braver or you're going to be less brave because yeah. you don't have the anything to watch. You can't watch how people migrate. There are a couple of, of platforms that are meant for social interaction that offices can use that allow people to have colored bubbles and mm. you can see where they go to, to talk to people if they're in an office, you know, remotely. Um, and that's kind of cool to see. But that's a that's if the company wants to use that. And that has all the trappings of who can jump into, who can hack it. You know, we we've, we've got companies that are very um, secure conscious about their intranet um, communication. So that's the, the culture aspect watching is, is really a loss. The second is you're right. They, we, the correlation of success in school, you know, memorize, regurgitate, you know, not asking a lot of questions, really just taking it all in, understanding how to make better grades correlates to successful grades in college, but those do not correlate to success at work. Yeah. In school, we reward, you know, the, the higher GPA, which is mean you're really good at being good at everything, which is good at average. At work, we, we reward for being specialized, an expert, really good at something, mm. forget the rest. And so it doesn't, the, the game of school isn't the same as, as the game of work. So people coming out of college or even changing to a new job go right back to being a beginner. And that skill of asking is not there. So I'm finding that this is something that can be um, offered. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of people just want to know, what am I doing right? What's my value? Where am I making, you know, affecting change? And they don't know how to have that question, that, that conversation as an opener. How do they open and have a conversation that looks professional, that kind of contains the conversation so the other person feels engaged and valued and they get the information they need. So this is kind of a new and novel um, aspect of combining different research together to go, you know, we can actually help people new in a job. Say, here are the five questions you're gonna repeatedly ask mm. different That's people every day. Just here's your job. I, here you gotta learn it. So you're in the learning mode. Here are five good questions, and you're gonna say, "Hey, I've got a question about this aspect of my job. What is the number one person? Who's the number one person I need to go go to to learn how to do this well? And you know, give me an idea of, of what success in my role looks like for through your eyes. You know, how should I approach this? That framework allows them just to go to anybody about any aspect of their job and say, what does success look like to you? Mm -hmm. If I'm really good at my job, how do you see that? How does it affect your job? What's the first thing you would suggest I do? Anything along those, those things, if we could just make that part of their onboarding assignments, they'd have a lot better conversations a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So kind of along those lines, what do you think are the biggest questions that are not being asked in the work environment that should be? Hmm. We do not ask for what's going right. We just ask, what's the number one way I could improve? Mm -hmm. Where is my next 
area of growth, whatever we, and that's what we've carried over from school. How do I make the better grade? How do I make a good grade on the project? And we transfer that into how do I improve? Thinking that they're going to go, oh, you're already good enough here, 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 and here. You just need this. That's how our brains are wired to think because that's how teachers talk to us. Your boss, your manager, your coworker. No, they'll go, oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. And you are just overwhelmed mm-hmm. with now need to do's without even knowing what you're doing right. And often what happens is you start to stress about doing these and now you've disrupted the cart of what you do well already. So what we need to do is start having better conversations of asking, hey, I've only been on the job of the week. What's the number one thing you see me doing well right now? How does that affect your job? Can you give me an idea of what it looks like? How do you see that? What, what makes you say that, right? Um, or it's been 30 days. What's the number one thing I'm doing? Or what's the most meaningful part of my job I'm succeeding at right now for you? So you can couch this any way you want to with specificity about learning what's going right. And we need to really encourage people to go out and ask, not for the neediness or the validation, but out of real concern if you are affecting change in the right way for the people you need to work with. And that's what really people really want to know. Where do I matter? Where am I connected to the overall purpose of my job in this company? And how am I helping you be successful? That's what we really want to know. Mm-hmm. And unless we ask for it, we guess and we place assumptions wherever we lack accurate information 100% of the time. Yep. Yep. And we know what that means. Yep. Means. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And people are like, why didn't you just ask? Well, I didn't know how, right? You heard that a lot. Why didn't you just ask? I didn't know how. I didn't know I could. Mm-hmm. I assumed you thought I would, should know this already. The shoulds and the assumptions and the buts get in the way of the better conversations because of bad programming. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Carol, now we get to come to one of my favorite parts of the show, Woo-hoo. which is talking about tattoos. But, Carol, you don't have a tattoo, do you? Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Um, the infamous not yet. I know. So I know I turn, I, want, I need, I need a tattoo. I like literally need a tattoo. It's the running joke in the family and amongst all of my friends. I grew up training to be a professional water skier. And then it, it, uh, I married a military guy. We moved around. We didn't have a boat. You know, it was just one of those things in passing in high school. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I'm still like, that's a career path of professional (laughs) water skier. Not really. Not, not really. Um, um, it was, I was actually, um, and this park is no longer around Astro World in Houston had the world's notoriously smallest water ski performing, you know, little pond park. And I was selected to train with them and it was really going to be fun. And it was just one of those fun summer jobs, right? Uh, where you get to do that. And it uh, came to a crashing halt literally when the one of our boat drivers decided to um, have a great afternoon of pot and drove the boat into the wrong uh, side of the ramp. So that uh, closed that down, that dream down really quick. But I'd grown up my whole life water skiing. So it's been, it gets so far in between chances to water ski that I now forget which foot goes in front of the other. Oh, and I'm goofy footed. And so there have been times I'm like, I just wait, I don't, 
And what does a goofy footed mean? A goofy footed means your dominant steering foot is your left foot, not your right foot, even though I'm right handed. Oh. Um, so the ta- everybody's been designing this tattoo for years now. I need a little water skiing goofy on my left foot with an arrow going back towards my ankle so that <laughs> as I get more clogged in my brain and trying to think of all the things that we shove in there when I get this chance to water ski, which is about one to three times a year, um, I can easily look down at my foot, go, I'm goofy footed. Yes, we know how to do this. Because as soon as, as soon as I get in the water and put the foot in the right place, I'm off and running. Um, right. But I literally had been like five or six years between opportunities. And I was at a friend's house, like, let's get out there and water ski. Sure. I go out there and I'm in the water and I, I forget which foot goes in front of the other. I tried what I thought it didn't work. I tried. And finally, you know, I got up going, okay, everybody remind me. So I'm like the charity case of tattooed re- tattoo reminders. And I, <laughs> I water ski with people who have gorgeous tattoos. Mm-hmm. They have the beautiful script sayings, the long parts of their, you know, appendages that are gorgeous and elegant. And they all tell a story. And you're like, Carol, when are you going to get your tattoo? Carol, when are you going to get Very, very soon. I just, you know, I got to. I gotta just have my kids just take me for a birthday gift. Cause my husband's like, no, don't get a tattoo. I'm like, honey, I think I need this one. Like literally yeah. I need this one. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And I don't then, mind. I don't mind having an instruction manual on my body uh, with what I should do when I have such a good time doing it. Well, probably more people need that actually <laughs> some sort of an instrument. It doesn't have to be on their feet, you know, just, no, it doesn't could be anywhere. instructions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I need a tattoo and I, it's just a matter of time before it happens. Um, But yeah, it's, it's been a running joke for the last three years with my ski buddies for sure. Well, there we go. So Carol Stizza once again has been our guest today and how can people get a hold of you and your book and everything else? I am very appreciative of you asking. So the book is called the ask framework and it's on Amazon. You can just type in the ask framework and it will pop up. You can reach me on my website, which is relevant-insight.com. Or you can just Google my name. It's Carol with an E on the end, (laughs) C-A-R-O-L-E, Stizza, S-T-I-Z-Z-A. I'm on LinkedIn with my name. I'm on Facebook with Relevant For You. And I'm on Instagram with Relevant Insight Coaching. So I look forward to connecting with your listeners any way they find the most fun. And I'm happy to answer questions anytime on helping people step into better conversations with the Ask Framework for sure. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. It's been a delight having you on the show for today. I am Donna Shannon. You can reach me at uh, all of my socials as well. I encourage you to check out Linktree which is L-I-N-K dot, no, I screwed it up. Okay, I added new slate to the end of the show. So we'll just do, go with the professional voiceover at the end. Don't <laughs> listen to me. Don't listen to me. I can't talk no more. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and we shall talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, produced by the Personal Touch Career Services. Our host is Donna Shannon. All music has been ethically sourced and licensed from SoundDogs.com and EpidemicSound.com. Support the arts.
We certainly do. Join us next time as we continue to explore the evolving world of work and leadership in the United States. If you are interested in being a guest or if you would like to receive a complimentary career evaluation, please visit the contact page at personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or you can just Google it.